Are you interested in possibilities beyond anything you've ever considered? Join me, John Ashford, alias Akintola, each week where I show up unapologetically me as a possibility seeker, an explorer of the universe, conversationalist, and a storyteller. Having worked with families, communities, and systems for over 30 years, I desire to explore with you topics beyond current realities and create something greater than the world as we know it today. Together, we can inspire, teach, and share with each other our real and raw ideas to change the world to the place we know it can be. Join me for some fun as we get real, funky, raw, vulnerable, outrageous, and inspired. Peace, John. Good morning, good afternoon, good day. I hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to another episode of Being John Ashford with yours truly, John Ashford. Today, y'all, I don't know where to start with this magical sister of mine. Uh, I met her, it feels like I've known, you know how you meet somebody and you met them for the first time, but it's like you can see the connection of lifetimes that you've known somebody. Well, this is what Molly has been to me in my world. Have uh, you, have you, Molly is the best person. Molly Mandelberg is the best person. When you ever think about wanting to quit something, she'll pimp slap your ass. <laughs> Honestly, unconsciously. And that's what I really desire. Welcome, Molly, to being John Ashford. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. I will say I encourage people to quit certain things. <laughs> Everybody that works with me knows of you because, and I caught this session, The Oracle. And I really do mean that. And so let me go back, guys. So for the Oracle, everybody knows that I'm a geek for sci-fi shit. And the greatest symbol of Oracle for me was in the Matrix. And this is what, like, Molly was. She came to the house. We had a bar exchange. And she said something in my kitchen. I was talking about this food and everything. And she said, you know. And it, it reminded me of that lady in the kitchen in the Matrix when she looked at um, Neo and said, you know, you might want to think about this. And it sparked the orgasmic conscious cooking that everybody loves right now. Somebody, a lot of people are watching. And so this is the lady, but that's not the only thing. Every group I do, every kid I meet with, I use these cards. Okay. And they never seem to get boring, be boring to me. And they always come show up. The right card shows up at the right time. When I start my class, like I have my advanced money workbook class. And so at the beginning of the class, I'll pull a card and I swear that it's kind of weird because that card speaks to whatever we were going to go for that day. So everybody, for you did not know, this is my dear sister, Molly. I want people to, because I talk about her probably in every fucking class that I do. <laughs> so how'd you come about with this Oracle Club the deck? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I, <clears throat> I wanted to make a deck and I was playing with these archetypes from the ancient tarot, the uh -huh. tarot deck. And I had a friend tip me off that the major arcana of the tarot. So the tarot is four suits and yada, yada, like mm -hmm. not ace through king, but um, there's like four suits. And then there's another set of cards in the tarot called the major arcana. And she told me that the major arcana cards are actually related to the, the tree of life, which is the Kabbalah. And that's like sacred geometry. It's also like ancient yeah. wisdom, but that the major arcana cards associate with those same points on that map basically and it's a map of how an idea becomes manifest of how something goes from like this spiritual uh ideation realm into physical tangible reality and so being someone who's 
very hooked on manifestation, actualization, realization. Uh, that lit me up and turned me on. I ended up like really resonating with five cards from the major arcana and using them for a quiz for my business. And then I was I was playing with this idea for an Oracle deck. I was like, oh, well, what if those same cards that I've just like turned into this whole framework for my business could actually be the suits of that deck? So I started with that, that the suits were going to be the fool, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, the hierophant. And then I wanted to bring in the wheel of fortune so I could have a place to talk about money because I like talking about money. And so I came up with one through 10 of the aspects of each suit. And then I was like, okay, well, if one of the aspects is physical, what's the physical manifestation of the fool? What's the physical manifestation of the empress? Yada, yada. Once I had the idea for what each card would be called, then I was like, okay, what's an image that would make sense with that? And I tried for a while to find an artist to work with me on this. And then finally, nothing was working out. And it's like, okay, well, technically I have a degree in art. I guess I could just make it myself. Um, so I started drawing them out and then I started writing the book and then... I started coloring them in and then I got a designer to help me make the files right, found a printing company that I liked and I did an Indiegogo campaign to fund the printing of it. And yeah, it's amazing how I feel like I, of course, had a hand in making it happen. It took two years to finish making the deck. But I also feel like even when I read back some of the stuff that's in that guidebook, it really feels like it came through me more than it came from me. So it's like you're calling this the Oracle podcast episode. But I think that we're all oracles. I think that we all have access to that wisdom, that magic that wants to channel through us. And when we lean into something like a deck or a book or a facilitator of some kind that we're really just inviting another avenue for our wisdom to find us. And so like, yeah, I made a cool thing that people love to play with. And also like if you pick that deck up and it resonates with you, that's very much you calling that message through as much as I was me writing it. So um, I don't put a lot of <laughs> ego or whatever on it, but I I love that you're one of the biggest fans of the deck. There are a bunch of people who keep giving it away and buying it again because they just can't get enough of it and they want everybody to have some of it. So thank you so much for being an advocate for that piece of work yeah. to get out into the world. I really appreciate it. And it, it makes my day whenever I hear somebody you know, post about it on Instagram or something like, oh, this is the card I needed today or like, wow, this really changed my life. Um, it's really satisfying to know that something I made is out there having an impact in the world. So I'm grateful. Wow. See, I just, I, I feel giddy just hearing <laughs> the story behind it because I mean, it really, you know, it's like, I work with entities, I work with angels, I work with Arishas. This card, and what, I, what these cards did for me, this Oracle deck did for me, it gave me, it allowed me to get back to my magic of everything that I play with. It actually allowed me to reopen a door and never, and there were times uh, I broke my ankle. You know about that. A lot of people know that a lot of times having this next to me and just pulling a card because it was, I got really fucking dark during that time. And those yeah. cards won't, I don't know. I know it's the person you say, John, but there's something yeah. about what you put in the fucking cards that when you're like, oh my God, woes me. There's a statement that comes out, but like, no, bitch, not woes me. There's another possibility here. And that's the power of that deck for me. Yeah. I had a one friend who uh, really lost her sister tragically. And 
I didn't even bring her the deck. Someone else, one of my friends um, brought the deck out and was playing with it with her. And she felt really, really sure that her sister was on the other side communicating to her through the deck. And when she finally came back across me, she bought six decks for all of her closest like friends and loved ones who were really close to her sister because she felt like that was a channel for that uh, person to be in contact again. And I, I really love that that story and that that deck could be an avenue for that kind of connection to come through because yeah maybe it's a possibility that you weren't aware of that you need to be reminded of maybe it's just a little bit of your magic that you felt disconnected to that this like pulls you back or maybe it's something else something higher something uh far far out further out than you would normally allow your mind or your consciousness to go to that it pulls you towards um whatever the case it's fun that it can be a device for that Wow. Wow. Amazing. So this is just one of her dimensions. The side project. Yeah. Side projects. What do you want to, what do you care to share with? I mean, I'm, I'm in awe of this woman. So people, you just got to know that. What else would you like people to know about you? Well, first off, I'm in awe of you too, John Ashford. When we first met, you were my first partner at my first access consciousness bars class. And I was like, very like you said I knew immediately that this was a person I was going to be connected to so I just want to start by saying like I'm really glad that we're connected I'm really grateful that you're out in the world doing what you're doing and in all the many ways that you do through all the different channels that you do and yeah I do I do magic through a lot of different channels as well so mostly I work with um, healers leaders coaches people who trade in wisdom and guidance and want to have a bigger splash they want to make a bigger impact in the world and um, it used to be more through the avenues of business strategy and technology and setting up automations and building courses and programs. And I still do all of that. And um, it has become clear that it doesn't matter what the fuck we set up for your business. If the energy isn't there, if you're not aligned with what we're creating, if you don't believe that it's possible to get the results you want to get, then it's not going to work out the same way. So a lot of the work that I do now is also heavily grounded in the mindset, the energy, the alchemy of becoming who you believe that this work will allow you to become and starting to step into that as like fully and with as much embodiment as possible. Um, So I do a lot of mindset work, hypnosis, NLP, access consciousness, and also like really tangible business strategies of like showing the fuck up, creating content and broadcasting your message to as many people as possible so that the people who are out there praying for it can come in and find you yeah. and yeah, make a bigger difference in the world that yeah. way. I remember when I first met you, what really hit me about this sister, y'all, is uh, you said something about individuals who want to do spiritual or esoteric work never really think highly of making money. And I was one of those individuals when you first, I remember right around that corner in that kitchen, I was like, well, yeah, I'll do this. And, you know, I'm fine with this. And then when you really got to me about, no, you can actually get paid for your worth. It Something lit up and I've been on fire ever since. I mean, even mm-hmm. to the point right now, the, the, some of the projects I'm working on right now, but tomorrow I'm going to speak, Sunday I'm going to speak at a church. I've not been in a church in I don't know when. And for me to go talk about Sermon on the Mount and talk about consciousness with a group of people, I was like, that sparked from like our conversation in that kitchen at one time. It's like, okay, I can go. And I'm going, 
I'm, and then I'm speaking to a drug and alcohol program later on in, in March. I'm talking to a woman's group in, in, in Texas and things are beginning to just open up. But it was because of that conversation you had about. And I think that a lot of us who do this type of work don't. It's like a musician not understanding business. Yeah. Well, of course, a musician doesn't understand business. They understand music. Of course, right. a healer doesn't understand money. They they understand magic. Like it's yeah. a different realm to be putting your foot in. But here's the logic that I have behind it, because a lot of coaches, a lot of healers, a lot of holistic practitioners, especially those with like a very spiritual background, there is a lie that says it's evil to make money, that money yeah. is the root of all evil. That is absolute bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. it. It is something that can expand magic in such a big way. But here's the logic behind it. If you've been blessed with some gift or you've studied your ass off to master some modality that can change lives, that can help people elevate or heal or transform or self-actualize, and you're doing something else as your day job to make money, to pay bills, to buy food, to put a roof over your head, you are innately doing your magic less of the time. And I say, if you were given these gifts, if you were mastered that modality, if you have something that can help people and you're spending most of your time making money doing something else, that you're robbing the world of that much more of your magic, that much more of your support, that much more of your help. How is that a holy thing to do? How is that the right thing to choose? So allow your healing, allow your magic to support you financially so that you can do that more of the time. It doesn't make it worse. I got to say, when you get paid for doing something that lights you the fuck up, Mm. everything expands. Your your cup is more full. It doesn't bastardize your magic to allow yourself to be paid for it. It actually allows the person receiving it, in most cases, to get more out of it because they've made an energetic exchange to receive it. Yeah, because I'm understanding the being able to be aware of allowing money to show up now, I'm more lit up about what I create. And I still give away a lot of shit for free. I, yeah, I, still me too. Do, I mean, I still do that shit. But but there's another point. Like, I did an SOP session last weekend for somebody. My sessions are kind of super like, oh, my God. And the person got more out of it because of the rate that I think my session was $669 for an hour. And I did one of those weekend. I fucking enjoyed it. And the intensity of the my potency working with this person was like outside the outer limits. Yeah. You show up more and they show up show more. Up because more. They're yeah. like, if I'm going to pay for that, that price, I'm going to get whatever the fuck I can out of it. Exactly. And that whether they're consciously thinking that or not, that's what in money, energy, a financial energy exchange creates. Yeah. This costs a lot. I'm showing up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas and, I've been, I paid $97 for a program and like barely showed up. So I was like, well, I wanted to do it, but yeah. you know, I got other things asking for my attention and it was only $97. So, yeah. but you know, the $20,000 program I bought, yeah. I showed up for every fucking call. <laughs> well, and we're hard. the ones of us who are trying to change the fucking world. If we are willing to have money, we mm-hmm. can change things faster. We can create more clean water possibilities. We can create more clean ocean possibilities. We can create more dramatic change in this physical reality society situation that we're in. If we're willing to be wildly prolific in our money, because money can create things. It can start new businesses. It can support 
causes that we care about. Like it can putting our money first off receiving money, but then putting our money around the things that we care about can change the tide of what, you know, the demise of the world that we believe might be happening. It can change it faster. So if, yeah, there's, we just got to stop being afraid of having money, stop being afraid to talk about money, make it into literally what it is, which is just an energy exchange, which all healing and support modalities are some kind of energy exchange. Anyway, it's okay. If it's financial. First off, before I forget, I want to be, how do people find you? Yeah, my business is called Wild Hearts Rise Up with an S, wildheartsriseup.com. Yeah. And I've got two podcasts. Um, one's called Tactical Magic. One's called Reveal the Game of Life. Um, and then the best place to follow me like daily is Instagram, wild underscore O-N-E one underscore rising. Wow. Okay. So, uh, and y'all, she amazing. So can I talk about like your traveling? Yeah, sure. Okay. You might notice so, I'm in a van. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, that I've been nomadic for like 15 years. And when my business, uh, when I started my, my business, I was very, very broke. And I used to travel the world more as a starving artist with no money. And as my business started to grow, I was kind of stationary. I was working in an office as a hypnotherapist and finally started to get that on online out of office space. Um, and my business started to grow and I was like, okay, Molly, now you can finally choose where you want to live. And my whole being was like, no, <laughs> I still don't know where I want to live full, full time year round. There's no place that I like the weather all year round. And I have people that I love all over the world. So I was like, okay, well, what does it look like to be a nomad who's actually not broke and struggling? Um, and it looked like having a house on wheels. So I started looking into buying an RV. I went and test drove some and my body was like, that's not it. That feels a little too conspicuous to be a woman traveling alone in a big RV. And uh, I wanted a little bit more stealth. I also wanted to be able to park at the grocery store, which is actually funnily enough where I'm parked right now uh, <laughs> without having to worry about, you know, my giant school bus or my big RV taking up too much space or not being able to park there. Um, so I looked into van life and five years ago, van life wasn't quite as big of a thing as it is now. Um, but it was still pretty hard to get my hands on the van that I wanted, which was a sprinter. Finally did. I spent two and a half years traveling in it full time while still building it out. And now I've been in it for another two and a half years while it's pretty much done built out. There are still things I might fix and change, but uh yeah, five years deep. You have a wonderful advanced. kitchen. My wife and I had lunch with you one day in it in the in Hollywood. Yeah. I I make that meal, uh, but that food I cooked you is the food you taught me to cook, by the way. That like uh larb kind of yes high stir fry salad yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I make that all the time. Thanks for that recipe. But yeah, I have a beautiful kitchen. I it's a little bit messy right now, but I can turn and show you. Yes. With some cabinets and a stove. And yeah, I've been doing this full time for five years with a small stint of semi house life when I was in a relationship a few years ago, but got through that. <laughs> <laughs> magical lady, magical lady. Okay, so I only have like twenty minutes. Uh, 23 minutes and I'm coming to the end of my time but there's three questions I ask everybody that comes on my show and so they're not crazy questions just three questions I like that I'm doing I'm creating a class out of this so I'm just getting people's feedback on this so the okay. first question is why are you choosing what you're choosing today 
I'm choosing what I'm choosing today because it is the most fun enlivening possibility that I'm aware of so far. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Okay. And choosing, I'm cho choosing greater today than I chose yesterday because I like to keep expanding. I love that shit. Damn. Here's the <laughs> second question. What makes you orgasmic? So many things. I mean, uh, I read a lot of fiction, reading stories. Um, food is an orgasmic place of living for me. Music is one of the very greatest orgasmic states of living for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and art, writing, reading, music, travel, of course, art, and then consciousness. I love um, digging into philosophical, psychological, uh, consciousness expanding topics and ideas. Wow. Damn. I like that. <laughs> See the people I surround myself with. I'm like, wow. You're my kind of people. We have all the <laughs> yeah, same things. In exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. The final question. What is your greatest desire? My greatest desire right now, I'm actually looking at buying land and building a retreat center. So I'm open to that target, that dream changing and morphing if it needs to. But my greatest desire right now is to find a piece of land that uh, feels the most grounded most expansive most supportive to the kind of transformational events that I want to host and building um, infrastructure and creating spaces for people to gather for people to reside and for transformation and evolution to happen in community settings so um, that's my greatest desire right now wow see this is the crazy thing it's kind of funny because Tori and I are considering moving from this house because going up the stairs and downstairs with this broken ankle has been like an ordeal. And I was like, oh, I don't want to know if I want a house. And the house is big. And I was just thinking, so I was telling Tori, I said, you know, I used to do this thing for Multnomah County called Save Our Youth. And it was where I gathered families in Multnomah County that were dealing with gun violence in the 90s and the early 2000s. And we did conflict resolution and violence prevention type of work there. And I told Tori, I don't want to go back and do that, but I want to do that sort of community-based thing. And I was like, what if we had property where we had like our place and we had a place to meet for retreats, for weddings? Because I do weddings too. Shit, um, John, we got to talk about this. Yeah. And I was just like three days ago, we were talking about it. And Tori was like, you know, babe, when you first said it, I didn't think of anything of it. But she was like, now that you're saying it, I was like, yeah, because I've been watching people doing retreats some places like a sister who came to my class called from Tulum two days yesterday. And she was like, hey, John, can I ask you some questions? I'm at this retreat in Tulum. And I was like, hmm, universe, I had this thought. This person called me a retreat. This really becoming really light for me. And I was like, another creation. Yeah, we're going to co-create that. It yeah, sounds like yeah. we got to talk. I love talking to people and this wonderful woman. I'm blessed to have her in my life. Thank you, Molly, for spending time with us today and keep on rocking you. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. Thank you, guys. See you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. Oh, do me a big favor. Be kind to yourself. And when you see somebody walking by that you don't know, say, what's up? Let people know you see them. Peace. Peace.